This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Welcome to the radio and the internet ministry of the Christian Crusaders. We continue our sermon series, Stories from the Passion, with today's message, Questions at the Cross. Here's Pastor Lee Lavig. Jesus Christ is a much admired and loved figure for the last two millennia in human history. As we reflect on the Passion Week of Christ, his death on the cross, and his resurrection from the dead, every person living needs to wrestle with the question, what will you do with Jesus? With that as our theme, I invite you to join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for giving Jesus to the world. Thank you for sending him to be our Savior. As we reflect again on the great mystery of the cross and the power of the resurrection, fill our hearts with faith and hope because of Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. In Christ alone, my hope is found. He is my light, my strength, my song. This cornerstone, this solid ground, firm through the fiercest drought and storm. What heights of love, what depths of peace, when fears are stilled, when striving cease. My comforter, my all in all, here in the love of Christ I stand. In Christ alone, who took on flesh, fullness of God in helpless babe. This gift of love and righteousness, scorned by the ones he came to save. Till on that cross, as Jesus died, the wrath of God was satisfied. For every sin on him was laid. Here in the death of Christ I live. There in the ground his body lay. Light of the world by darkness slain. Then bursting forth in glorious day. Up from the grave he rose again. And as he stands for victory, sin's curse has lost its grip on me. For I am his, and he is mine, bought with the precious blood of Christ. No guilt in life, no fear in death. This is the power of Christ in me. From life's first cry to final breath. 
commands my destiny. No power of hell, no scheme of man can ever pluck me from his hand till he returns or calls me home. Here in the power of Christ I'll stand. No power of hell, no scheme of man can ever pluck me from his hand till he returns or calls me home. Here in the power of Christ I'll stand. Today's Gospel is recorded in Mark 15, beginning with the 16th verse. The soldiers took Jesus away into the palace, that is, the praetorium. They called together the whole Roman cohort. They dressed him up in purple, and after twisting a crown of thorns, they put it on him, and they began to acclaim him, Hail, King of the Jews! They kept beating his head with a reed and spitting on him, and kneeling and bowing before him. And after they mocked him, they took the purple robe off him and put his own garments on him, and they led him out to crucify him. They pressed into service a passerby coming from the country, Simon of Cyrene, the father of Alexander and Rufus, to bear his cross. Then they brought him to the place Golgotha, which is translated Place of the Skull. They tried to give him wine mixed with myrrh, but he did not take it. And they crucified him, and divided up his garments among themselves, casting lots, for them to decide what each man should take. It was the third hour when they crucified him. The inscription of the charge against him read, The King of the Jews. They crucified two robbers with him, one on his right and one on his left. And the scripture was fulfilled, which says he was numbered with transgressors. Those passing by were hurling abuse at him, wagging their heads and saying, Ha! You who are going to destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself and come down from the cross. In the same way, the chief priests also, along with the scribes, were mocking him among themselves, saying, He saved others. He cannot save himself. Let this Christ, the King of Israel, now come down from the cross so we might see and believe. Those who were crucified with him were also insulting him. When the sixth hour came, darkness fell over the whole land until the ninth hour. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which is translated, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of the bystanders heard it, they began saying, Behold, he's calling for Elijah. Someone ran and filled a sponge with sour wine, put it on a reed, and gave him a drink, saying, Let us see whether Elijah will come take him down. Jesus uttered a loud cry and breathed his last, and the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And when the centurion, who was standing right in front of Jesus, saw the way he breathed his last, he said, Truly this man was the Son of God. Thus far, we share the gospel. Dear friends, grace and peace are for you, 
from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. I've been a lifetime fan of the Minnesota Twins baseball team. When I was a boy, some of my heroes were Zoilo Versalles, or Bob Allison, Jim Cott, Harmon Killebrew, or Tony Oliva. I cheered them to victory and hoped they'd win every game. I watched the Los Angeles Dodgers in 1965 World Series defeat my beloved Minnesota Twins. The Dodger hero of the series was left fielder Lou Johnson. So I read with interest a story recently that Johnson tried for over 30 years to recover his championship ring, which he lost to drug dealers in 1971. Unfortunately, Johnson had had drugs and alcohol cost him everything from the magical season and his World Series victory. His uniform, the glove he wore in the field, the bat he used to hit the home run in the deciding game of the series, and, of course, that championship ring. When Dodgers president Bob Graziano learned that Johnson's ring was about to be auctioned off on the Internet, he pulled out his checkbook and wrote a check for $3,457 to purchase Johnson's ring. He did for Johnson what Johnson couldn't do for himself, and then he gave the ring to Johnson. He paid the price to redeem the ring. At the beginning of this Passion Week for us as Christians, we remember that God did for us through his son Jesus, our Savior, what we could never do for ourselves. He paid the price in the blood spilled of his precious son Jesus. He paid the price for our redemption, for our forgiveness, to lift us out of our bondage and to set us free into a new life. God redeemed us in Jesus Christ. And that's the significance of the events of this holy week for us. Right on the heels of Jesus' humble ride on a donkey's back through the gates of Jerusalem as the crowd and children hailed Jesus as the delivering king, we know how quickly the script of the story flips to a sequence of suffering that boggles the mind. Jesus was betrayed, then arrested by the soldiers with force as Judas's kiss pointed him out. He was abandoned by his disciples, his friends. He stood trial before the high priest, and the Jewish religious leaders brought many false witnesses to testify against Jesus. Ever since Jesus had raised Lazarus from the dead, the religious leaders had been seeking to kill Jesus. Then he was led before Pontius Pilate. He went through a second trial in the Roman court. Pilate was the Roman governor with the authority for justice in the region. Pilate was amazed that Jesus would be silent before all the accusations brought. Pilate, though, also was bewildered by the crowd who, a few days ago, were praising him, now were screaming for his head. Crucify him, they said. Pilate, wishing to please the crowd and fearing for his own life and fearing a riot, asked them this question, What do you wish me to do with Jesus? 
Crucify him, they said. What's puzzling but flawed is that we think we are Christ's judge. We think we can determine whether he's relevant to our lives today in the 21st century. We think we get to decide whether Jesus is in fact the Son of God or not. But the truth is that the manner with which we respond to Pilate's question, what would you have me do with Jesus, judges us. The way we respond to that question determines our eternal destiny. Jesus is the Savior of the world, regardless of how you judge him. So what would you have me do with Jesus, Pilate asks. His own disciples betrayed, denied, and deserted him. And the religious leaders, as we said, had wanted to kill him. Ironically, when Jesus had shown his power over death itself by raising Lazarus from the dead, they wanted to silence Jesus and end his influence. They feared that Jesus was going to turn the whole understanding of God and our relationship with God on its head, and their power would be gone. The crowd was amazing in their fickleness as they now rejected Jesus and called for his execution. The Roman soldiers played with Jesus for sport like a cat would bat around a captured mouse. They put a crown of thorns on his head and a purple robe on his shoulders. They whooped him over the head with sticks and they beat him with their fists and asked him, who hit you if you're the king of the Jews? They pretended to feign loyalty to Jesus as king. And when they were done with their sport, they led him out to the hill called Golgotha, the place of the skull. It was hanging time. And they crucified him there on the crest of a hill called Mount Calvary. As he was crucified, his blood spilled out. Yes, from the crown of his head, but his hands and his feet, and from his back that had been ripped open with the cutting whip when he had been tortured by them. The mockery continued in a whole variety of ways as yet another question comes. To those who were mocking him with their wagging heads, they asked, Why don't you come down from the cross? The religious leaders resonated with that very question, saying, He saved others. He can't save himself. If he's the king of Israel, come down from the cross and then we'll see and believe. But this is the profound truth. He could not save himself and save us. The nails didn't hold him on Calvary's cross. His love for us kept him there. So he literally loved us to death by sacrificing his life on that cross. And as his blood red ran down Calvary's wooden beam, spilling into the humus, the earth, his blood, Emmanuel's blood, 
is also on our hands. I have betrayed him. I have lived a self-centered life. I have rebelled against his right to rule over me. I have resisted his control. I have failed him. His blood is on my hands. And yet his blood willingly sacrificed in his life given for us washes our hearts clean from all sin and all impurity. The blood of Jesus atones for our sins and Christ's death as he cries loudly and breathes last and the veil in the temple is ripped from top to bottom grants us access to the very presence of God. Jesus' sacrificial death allows us to draw near to our Heavenly Father. Do you remember the verse in Ephesians 2 where it says, We who were far away have now been brought near by the precious blood of Christ. So Jesus was no victim, the one for whom angels sang at his birth, who healed the sick and opened the eyes of the blind, who allowed the lame to walk and raised the dead to new life, was not a victim. He was magnificent in his defeat because he willingly surrendered his life to save us. It's an amazing sacrifice of Jesus Christ for us. It says that as Jesus was crucified, it was this hour of darkness. And why wouldn't it be? The light of the world hung dying on a cross. The Lord of the cosmos, the Lord of life, was willingly giving his life. And so darkness saturated the moment and darkness filled the land. And then comes this question posed by Jesus. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The truth is that Jesus became sin for us. He bore divine judgment, taking our place for the judgment we should have received. So even the Father turned his face from him as he became sin and received the judgment of eternity upon himself. In Isaiah 53 it said, The Lord was pleased to crush him that we might be forgiven. There's an amazing story told by Henry Nouwen, Christian writer and theologian. He tells the moving story from the country of Paraguay. It's about a doctor who cared very much for the poor people in his little village. He would often treat them free of charge. But others, the authorities, the police, the government, and the village didn't like the doctor. They didn't like his politics. They thought he was stirring up foment among the poor people, and he was too popular for them to take on directly, so instead they kidnapped his son. They took the doctor's son, arrested him, putting him in jail, and mercilessly tortured him. They tortured him so much, too much, that the son died. 
When the news of the son's death spread throughout the village, they wanted to hold a huge demonstration march. They wanted to carry the doctor's son's body through the village and demonstrate to the media, to the newspapers, all that had gone on. But the doctor father said, no, I don't want to do that. I just want a funeral in the church here in the village. We will show in our own way. When the people arrived for the funeral, they had a surprise in store. The father had taken the body of the son just as he had found it in that prison cell on a blood-soaked, dirty mattress. Instead of all being dressed up in a nice suit and an expensive coffin, the corpse of the doctor's son in that little village was naked lying on a mattress covered with scars from his torment. It was the strongest possible protest imaginable. What that father did was put the injustices of his village on grotesque display. Then Henry Nouwen asks, Isn't that what God did at Calvary? He spread out for the whole world to see the injustice of this world. The cross showed what kind of world we live in, a world of violence, a world of cruelty, a world of injustice, and what kind of God we have, a God of sacrificial love who gives himself for us. Jesus was forsaken and darkness had its hour so that Jesus could take upon himself the divine judgment that we deserved. All the grotesque, ugly evil of our world was vented on Jesus Christ. He took our place. So we return to Pilate's question. What should I do with Jesus? The soldier, the centurion at the foot of the cross said, This one certainly was the Son of God. So in this Passion Week, we realize that Jesus died for us and was raised from the dead as it had been planned by God before the foundation of the world. Remember the words in Ephesians 1, where it said, God chose us before the foundation of the world. And in Jesus Christ, we are holy and blameless before him. We have redemption through Christ's blood, which he lavished upon us. So we echo the words of the dying thief at Jesus' side. Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Now you have to answer the question, what will you do with Jesus? Father's love for us, how vast beyond all measure, that He should give His only Son and make a wretch His treasure. How great the pain of searing loss, the Father turns His face away. 
as wounds which mar the chosen one. Bring many sons to glory. Ashamed, I hear my mocking voice call out among the scoffers. It was my sin that held him there until it was accomplished. His dying breath has brought me to life. I know that it is Jesus, how can we ever adequately thank you for your death on our behalf on the cross of Calvary? How can we ever thank you for enduring the suffering, for living through the evil darkness, and even bearing our judgment? We thank you and praise you, and today we tell you we love you, and we reaffirm our faith in you as our Savior, as our God, and as our Lord. Amen. Hear this blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look upon you with favor and give you his peace. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. You've been worshiping with the radio and the internet ministry of the Christian Crusaders. So how have you answered today's sermon question? What will I do with this Jesus? 
It's a personal question we all need to answer. We pray you've invited him into your life as a personal Savior. Christian Crusaders has been blessed by the financial and prayerful commitment of our listening family. We ask you to continue remembering this ministry as part of your weekly worship and to share this ministry with your family and loved ones. Please mail your gifts to Christian Crusaders, 7401 University Avenue, Cedar Falls, Iowa, 50613. Or visit our secure website at christiancrusaders.org. You'll find it easy to support this ministry by following the Give link located at the top of our webpage. All donations are considered tax-deductible. Our website includes podcasts of past programs, as well as daily devotions and inspiring interviews. Visit us online today at christiancrusaders.org. We are thankful you chose to worship with us today, and we look forward to worshiping with you again next Sunday. Conducting our service was the Reverend Lee Lavig, pastor of Faith Lutheran Church in Spencer, Iowa, and associate speaker on Christian Crusaders, now in its 85th year of broadcasting biblical truth.